Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill. we got a lot to get to as we enter week 12 of the NFL season, Thanksgiving week. Of course, Monday night game hasn't been played yet as we record this on a Monday afternoon, the Seahawks hosting the Falcons. But other than that, we know all the results. And so, Josh, as we always do every week, I'll ask you, what did you learn? What stood out to you from the weekend that was? I mean, the biggest thing that stood out to me was there's more parity in the AFC than we thought possible before because you've got two good teams at the top and the Steelers and the Patriots, and then it's a participation trophy for everybody else because, like, we've said it a bunch of times, and now it's becoming more and more of a reality. We're just marching towards a Steelers-Patriots-AFC championship game. Jacksonville to beat Cleveland, which you could say, well, they won the game. It was a road game. Okay, fine, but when you're scoring 19 points against Cleveland, and a lot of that was late in the game, it was 10-7, uh, with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. So Jacksonville had to hang on for dear life to win that game. Uh, the week before, they could barely score. They needed a fake punt to score to beat the Chargers. Uh, so there are some issues. But yeah, I agree. Look, the Pats and the Steelers, clearly the two best teams. As of now, maybe in six weeks something changes. But for now, certainly. Uh, my takeaway was the NFC. Look, we already know it's a good conference. It's a very good conference, in fact. Uh, the Saints pull off a miracle at the Superdome. They're down 15 points like four minutes ago, and they somehow come back and win the game in overtime over Washington, uh, basically eliminating the Redskins from any kind of hopes and you know, getting to the playoffs. And then you know, for me, though, the, the takeaway was like everybody, I think, kind of waits for Minnesota to fall on its face a little bit because it's like, well, they have Case Keenum, Dalvin Cook's out for the year. You know, Who's Adam Thielen? Who's Stephon Diggs? They're not really that good. They're really good. Uh, the Rams have been hasting people week in, week out. They've been putting up a ton of points, and the Rams went into Minnesota and got held to seven points. Got beat 24-7. to Adam Thielen continues to play really well on the outside for the Vikings. I think he might be the most underappreciated, overlooked player in the league right now. Um, and, and the Vikings, at 8-2, and two, if the playoffs were to start today, and of course they don't, there's a long way to go, but right in there for the conversation for home field advantage. Uh, tied with the Saints, the second-best record in the conference at 8-2. and two. So... Really impressed with the Vikings and what they've been able to accomplish. Yeah, and the the shoe of Case Keenum waiting for that to drop, it's been a long wait. And I don't see anything that's really indicated that it's going to happen. Like I thought that they were going to have a bad week this week against the Rams because that Rams defense is really good. And it was a de facto playoff game, and the Vikings won. This is the first notch in that belt of this team that nobody really gives enough credit to. And I, they're, they're really simmering below the surface, despite having, I think, their top five in total offense and total defense. The defense I get. I, I understand why the Vikings' defense is good. They've got the no-fly zones out there with Xavier Rhodes and everybody. But the offense, being a top five total unit, is stunning to me because you have Case Keenum's the quarterback, and you don't have Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook was a big reason why I think that offense was looking good early in the season. Now that he's not there, 
things are still working. And I think that is a testament to Mike Zimmer being able to adjust. He's an adjustment coach. He knows how to see things and he knows how to counter in a way that's not going to change too many things. And I think a lot of coaches, they try to overcorrect and it ends up turning into a disaster. And I think Zimmer and Sean Payton, they're really good guys at being able to identify a problem and fix it quickly. And we're seeing the results of that because the Vikings are one of the best teams in the NFC. I still don't necessarily believe in them, but I think that speaks more to Case Keenum and what he's going to look like in the playoffs than anything else. It's going to be very intriguing to see how the NFC shapes up uh, at the end of the day. Look, Philadelphia's 9-1, and one, and they put it on Dallas. I, I know Dallas with some injuries. That's fine and well. And, you know, look, just to break a little bit here, Dallas has real issues, okay, going forward. If, if this is how they play without two guys on this team, look, you could talk about Ezekiel Elliott, but Ezekiel Elliott's not the one who can't block, okay? Tyron Smith is a great player. He's a Hall of Fame caliber left tackle. But if you miss one guy and your whole offensive line just goes to complete garbage, that's a problem. That's a coaching problem. You need to be able to figure it out. The Pats have lost Dunta Hightower and Julian Edelman. I would argue two of the three most important players in that team. They're eight. Snack for good with Ohio made, all natural, super tender Charkey Jerky Company beef jerky. Now featuring Killian's Vintage with limited edition packaging designed by 12 year old Killian, avid golfer, and patient champion, Nationwide Children's Hospital. Now available at select Giant Eagle locations at the Memorial Tournament presented by Workday May 30th through June 4th and online at www.charkyjerky.com. Proceeds of Killian's Vintage benefit Nationwide Children's Hospital and kids like Killian. Two, and they're getting better every week. Dallas loses Tyron Smith and Sean Lee, and they are a sieve. They can't stop anybody uh, and give Philadelphia credit. I mean, the Eagles just plastered them 37-9. They were down 9-7 to at halftime. They came out and scored, what, 30 unanswered points, I believe it was. So, yeah. uh, look, the Eagles, the Saints, the Vikings, I still like the Rams a lot. Throw them all in there. Uh, give them a lot of credit. Uh, it's a very, very good conference as compared to the AFC where it's two teams and a bunch of mediocrity, and, you know, obviously, I'm a Chiefs fan. I don't even really want to get into them this week. Of course, I will because, you know, we're professionals here. But I, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I do think Kansas City has the talent if they could ever figure it out to be a threat in the AFC, but time's ticking. I, you lose, you'll lose four out of five, and you, you don't get in the end zone against the Giants. Uh, it, it's now or never with Kansas City. So, right now, Pittsburgh and New England, clearly the class, they're going to be the two teams you're going to buy, uh, and, and you move forward. Yeah, and that leads me into uh, a little segment we like to call What's the Story? Where we try to figure out what's going on with a couple of these storylines floating around the NFL. And we'll start in the uh, AFC, not at the top of the AFC, but towards the bottom of it. What's the story with the Broncos' future? So they fire Mike McCoy, the offensive coordinator, just before we recorded this podcast on Monday. Uh, They've got no quarterback, but that's nothing new. John Elway starting to call people out. Vance Joseph, his job security is now officially it's something we should be talking about more prevalently. What's the story with Denver? What do they do from here? I, I think Denver's in some real trouble, and, and not because they're 3-7 and seven, they're having a bad year. Look, they, they're allowed to have a bad year. Denver has not had many losing seasons throughout uh, its recent history, and so I'm not going to get on the Broncos for having a tough season. Where I will get on the Broncos is they came into this year, and there was a lot of talk, hey, they're going to bounce back. They're going to play better. Well, they, they've done none of that, okay? And when you hire... when Okay, look, Gary Kubiak retired because of health issues last year. They finished 9-7. and seven. They missed the playoffs for the first time in six years. But when you fire 
you're, you're excuse me when you when you replace your head coach and you go out and get Vance Joseph, they could have had Kyle Shanahan, they mm-hmm. could have tried to go out and get Sean McVay, and they end up with Vance Joseph. And we've talked about this a few weeks ago on the podcast. Seems like a very nice guy. Also seems very overmatched. Firing Mike McCoy is not fixing the problems on this team. They can't block. They can't throw the ball. And that's on John Elway. John Elway is the reason they can't do any of those things because he has not addressed the problem. Now, they did draft Garrett Bowles in the first round. He's a 25-year-old left tackle who, frankly, has played marginally in terms of what you would expect this year. Uh, You know, you expect some rookie mistakes, but he's had some really rough games. Uh, they've never fixed the right tackle position. Max Garcia should never have been a starting guard for this team. He's terrible. And then the biggest issue, of course, is under center. You've got Brock Osweiler. You've got Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, all three of which I think are going to start here at some point. We've already seen two of them. Uh, you, you can't expect to win in the NFL in 2017 and trot out that trio of quarterbacks on your roster. It's impossible. So now the question becomes with John Elway, did they win a Super Bowl because John Elway is a good GM, or did they win a Super Bowl because Peyton Manning came here and did what he did in Indianapolis for years and hit a bunch of flaws? Now, they had a great defense, of course, here they won the Super Bowl, but that hasn't been maintained either. They've let a lot of those guys walk, and some of those guys have gotten old. So I think they're in a lot of trouble because you have a legend at the GM position who is increasingly becoming an issue. Would you say he is to the Broncos, to maybe to a lesser degree, but what Phil Jackson was in New York where it was just like he's this guy and everybody comes in he's a savior because you look at Elway he's riding the coattails of bringing Peyton Manning that's the only thing he's done while he's been in Denver and that was kind of a fluky thing it's not like he went out and he found Peyton Manning he just brought him in yeah look I think it's even harder with the reason we have no offense you're in charge he's not drafted a Pro Bowl player since 2011 that's unacceptable so the Broncos have a lot of problems. I don't, I, and I think the firing of McCoy, which was apparently a Vance Joseph move, the next step is firing Vance Joseph. Yeah. I mean, he's next. Okay? So you wonder, and like to me, McCoy was a scapegoat because McCoy's not the one who let Isaiah McKenzie sit back there as a punt returner and, and not pull him until he fumbled five times. Mm-hmm. You know? Mike McCoy's not the guy who drafted Paxton Lynch. So I... I I think the Broncos have real problems because it is tough when it's a legend that you're looking at and saying, well, do we need to get rid of him? And I just think that roster is starting to get older. Look, Von Miller's a great player, but, you know, he's not 25. He's getting up there. Demarius Thomas, same thing. Aqib Tlaib, older. Like, they're going to have to rebuild this team. And the question now becomes, look, they're going to have a high draft pick. Yeah. Do they take a quarterback or do they go with Lynch for one more year? It's a pivotal moment for the franchise. Let's keep things in the AFC West for the next thing. What's the story with the AFC West? At the beginning of the year, we had lots of people saying, this is the best division in football. We're going to have multiple playoff teams coming out of the division. We still might, but it won't be in the circumstance in which we thought because we've got everybody's limping towards the playoffs. The Chiefs, you know, they are what they are at this point. The Broncos, we addressed them. The Raiders, they get beat like a cheap pinata in Mexico City by the Patriots on Sunday. And the Chargers, all of a sudden, are coming out of nowhere. Phillip Rivers, what's the story with the AFC West? The AFC West sucks. Uh, that, I mean, really, to be blunt about it, look, Denver, Denver's terrible. And I think as the year goes on, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just completely lay down because I think the defense is sick of the offense. The Raiders, you know, we talked a lot about them before we you know, started the season. And we talked a lot on this podcast. And, and it was a general consensus between us. That they really had a charmed life last year. I am not surprised they're 4-6. Their defense is terrible. They did not address it. The only thing they did was draft Garon Connolly and Obi Melifanu. Melifanu got torched yesterday on a Brandon Cooks touchdown. 
Uh, they, he's a he's a safety all the way, and they line them up as a corner on Brandon Cooks. There's an interesting alignment. Uh, so the Raiders, to me, they've got real issues. And, and everybody talked about Derek Carr and how Derek Carr was his MVP candidate last year. And look, I like Derek Carr. Derek Carr is not an MVP-level player. Mm-mm. And he wasn't last year either, by the way. He didn't even throw for 4,000 yards. And this year, okay, we're going into Week 12. He's thrown for 2,200 yards and 14 touchdowns. Like, He's okay, he's fine, but I, Derek Carr's not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. And if you don't have that with their defense, you got big problems. The Chargers are talented, but they have holes on that team. They've lost a bunch of close games, as they always seem to do. Um, they're two games back in the AFC West behind Kansas City. Now, the Chiefs already beat them in LA. They play each other again week, week 15, actually on a Saturday at Arrowhead. I think the Chiefs are still going to win the division. Because I think the Chiefs are at least going to win 9 or 10 games, even with the current funk they're in. And if they do that, they're basically guaranteed to win the division. Um, I think the Chiefs, the talent is still on this team to do something. But, you know, you lose 4 out of 5, and in the way they've looked, they look like a dead team walking. So, I still think the AFC West is going to get the Chiefs in the playoffs, and I think the Chargers are talented. But the AFC West... Too big of expectations for Oakland coming into the year. The Chargers can't get out of their own way, which has been a theme for them for years. And and then Denver, they don't have a quarterback. Yeah. And I think people sometimes ignore that with them because of their defense. But this is 2017. This is 1997. If you can't play quarterback in this league, you can't win. And the Broncos, you'd be hard-pressed to find five teams with the worst quarterback situation. It's just, It's brutal. Yeah, and we'll, let's move over to the NFC and talk about a couple of teams that do have quarterbacks. What's the story with the Saints and the Panthers? So you have the Saints, who I believe are the best team in football right now. And then you also have the Panthers, who are right there with the Saints, but not in the same conversation that we're having, mostly because the Saints have been able to do things more prevalently, it seems. Like, they've come back, they've got a big running game, the defense is a lot better than it used to be. Should we be giving the Panthers just as much credit as the Saints or have the Saints distanced themselves enough until they meet again? I think you got to give the Saints more credit because they played each other in week three and the Saints beat the daylights out of Carolina mm-hmm. in Charlotte. So now you could say it was a long time ago and fair enough it was, but the Saints haven't lost since then. They're eight and two. The Panthers, though, I think do deserve more credit than we've given them and I'm guilty of that because I'm not a big Cam Newton guy. I don't think he's a great quarterback and, and I, I look at that offense and it's like it's a bunch of guys. I do. I love Greg Olson, but other than him... Who he's returning now, so it's a big mm-hmm. boost for them. But you know, I just struggle sometimes. I look at them; it's, a, it's just it's not a sexy group of players. But the Panthers are very good. They're seven and three. I I, I do think uh, they have to be taken seriously as a team that could win that division. New Orleans, as good as they've played, look, you know, they could they could very well lose this weekend. Uh, they're at L.A. They're at the Rams, and the Panthers are at the, the Jets. And all of a sudden, you could have a tie, and that, and then they play each other the following week. Yeah. So. I think the Panthers deserve more credit than they've been getting. That being said, I do think the Saints are the better team. The Saints right now, you're, you'd be hard-pressed to find the team that's more balanced than them. They can throw, they can run, they can play defense, uh, and, they, and they've got a good coach. So the Saints give them a lot of credit. They've really stepped up their game this year. and they, they, To my mind's eye, I think they're the best team in football right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And as a Bucks fan, it pains me to admit that. But I said it when we were watching their comeback against the Redskins on Sunday. I weirdly am enjoying this because I know that they're not going to be a threat in the future to the Buccaneers and the, the, the NFC South. This is kind of like the last stand of Drew Brees and Sean Payton, which has been a theme. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. 
Check front door. Check window. Check other window. Rest chin on ground. Look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door. Check window. Check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball. Lose shiny ball. Find shiny ball. Eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Throughout the season, uh, and you know, no team has been able to adjust on the fly as well as the Saints have. After that Week 2 game into that Week 3 win against the Panthers, which you could argue is when they turned this around, they haven't lost since then, um, that's what you need to do in the playoffs. It's a week-by-week thing. So, And the Saints have already established they know how to do that. They've got a running game, which is, I think, that Kamara and... Ingram are probably the best running back tandem in football. Um, and the defense is great. It's improved. I crunched some of the numbers last night. When they play bad teams like the Bills, the Bucks, the Dolphins, they're averaging around 10 points per game. But when they play Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, who's a good quarterback on a so-so team, they're averaging around 30 points per game. But, you know, you've said this before, and it's a true cliche. You need to win multiple ways in the playoffs. And the Saints know how to do that. They can get in a low-scoring game. The defense can do its job. They can have a shootout with Drew Brees, who's still capable of doing that. And at home, they came back at home against the Redskins, and they had that game against the Lions at home. They're historically a dangerous team in the Superdome, and they we're seeing that again this year. So the Saints, to me, my, they're the team to beat in the NFC, and they could be the team to beat right now in all of football. I think the Patriots are a close second. It's a 1A, 1B situation. The last one I got kind of transitions us into the Thanksgiving Day uh, slate of games in our weekly previews. A team that's not playing on Thanksgiving, but usually does. The Green Bay Packers, okay? They get waxed at home against Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens. 23 to nothing at home. Underscore the hat that they got blown out at Lambeau. Uh, at what point, what's the story with Mike McCarthy? At what point do we just say, you know what? We've seen all we need to see. This isn't the first time we've had to have this conversation, uh, and it's not going to be the last, it seems. Aaron Rodgers masks so many problems with him as a head coach. At what point do you just say, do we want to continue moving forward with McCarthy as head coach? Or, you know, these are the prime years of Aaron Rodgers' career. What do we do? I think it's tough, but I think you got to... McCarthy, it's easy to pile on right now, but he's playing with Brett Hundley. Like he's... Brett Hundley's terrible. I don't. I don't think it can be overstated how bad Hundley yeah. is. And he's, you know, look. You could say, well, you got to win with whoever's on the team. Yeah. Well, you know what? Can they get him a real backup quarterback? I, I mean, how the one thing, and it's been a story of the year, really, in the in this this league, and it's really been since Kaepernick didn't get signed and everything else. But how many teams in this league have nobody who can back up their quarterback? Mm-hmm. It is incredible. No, you're going to have a huge drop-off from Aaron Rodgers to whoever your backup is, okay? But there are quarterbacks in this league right now who, are, who literally can't score a point. Brent Hundley, they're going to play the Steelers next weekend on Sunday Night Football in Pittsburgh. They're going to get beat by 40. And so I, don't, I can't blame McCarthy for this. Like, to me, if, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, they're like a 13-win team. Mm-hmm. You can't fire the guy over this. Now, you want to fire him because you just don't think he can get you over the hump. Well, then fine. Um, but you know, they've won a Super Bowl with him. I think, I think McCarthy's a scapegoat all the time, and Ted Thompson should be the one taking heat because he has not done anything with this roster in the last handful of years. Their defense stinks. Their secondary is lousy. Their offensive line's been a revolving door. They always have guys who are hurt up front. 
And on top of that, you have Aaron Rodgers, who's been hurt before. And with this injury, actually, he broke mm-hmm. his clavicle. I think it was the other one, though. But no. they don't they don't prepare for these kind of injuries. Like It's like the same thing in Houston, right? Like, we yeah. saw Deshaun Watson go down. Like, that team looked like a legitimate, honest-to-God contender. And he goes down, and it's Tom Savage. And the season is just over. Like, they went from being, like, legitimately viable to the worst team I've ever seen in the, in the blink of an eye. And you could say that for probably a quarter of the league this year. And so I don't I don't blame McCarthy for what's gone on. I, I don't think it's fair. Yeah, I, I, I get that argument too. I guess I do blame McCarthy in that, look, if you have a team that's as good as the Packers and are a contender, you can't be one domino fall away from having the season completely torn out from underneath you. So, yeah, yeah, he's playing Brett Hundley. I get that. And nobody wants to be in that situation. But you're the head coach. Don't put yourself in that situation. You know, it's, it's a tired cliche to be like, well, what would Bill Belichick do? What would a handful of other coaches do who would have a competent backup quarterback? And it's the thing to me that McCarthy is insistent that Brett Hundley's the quarterback. That's the thing that's really getting me about this. It's not, it would be different if he was like, yeah, you know, Hundley's not, you know, we're working with him, but you know, and he was more acknowledging of the situation that they're in, but he's so steadfast in Hundley's the guy, Hundley's the guy. And that's, to me, the preparation thing of, you know, if you're one domino away from having this happen, then just get a stronger domino to go behind. Like, you don't have to find the successor to Aaron Rodgers. But my God, like you said, it, this is a league-wide problem of head coaches not preparing. And it goes to Jack Del Rio in the, the Mexico City game yesterday. Bill Belichick keeps the Patriots in high altitude to practice. They go out and they win. Joe, uh, Jack Del Rio says, no, nah, we don't have to do that. We'll fly in the night before. They score eight points in garbage time. It's a preparation thing. And I think if you want to be a good head coach of a good team, you need to have preparation. And that goes to finding a good backup quarterback. So. Oh, oh, and I'll just wrap on this. But here's, here's why I don't blame him. Everybody's screaming at him up in, up in Cheesehead land about – well, why is he? Why is he all about Hunley? Well, because the backup to Brett Hunley is Joe Callahan. Ugh. You want to start Joe Callahan? Like, <laughs> are you kidding? Okay, you know what happens when you start Joe Callahan? Nathan Peterman happens. Oh, that's what happens. Okay, when you put somebody in, there was no business being in the league. Now, I'm not saying Hunley's some great answer, but I'll tell mm-hmm. you right now, he is better than Joe Callahan. Okay, you want no part of Joe Callahan, and if you want to blame McCarthy for that, that's fine, but it's misguided. Blame Ted Thompson. Yeah. That is ridiculous that that team, knowing that Rodgers has been injured in the past and is in his mid-30s, you're going with that? Really? You're going with Hunley? It's like the Chargers. Like if Phillip Rivers gets hurt, you, you ready for Colin Clemens? You ready for that? Because <laughs> it's coming and you're not winning a game. And I am just stunned at how many of these teams mm-hmm. have nobody. It's, and by the way, you know, and, and we talk about coaching matters so much in the NFL. You just mentioned Belichick. Right here's Belichick. They've had Tom Brady for God two decades at this point. Okay, he gets hurt. Had Matt Castle step into it. Whatever you want about Matt Castle, and believe me, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. I've had plenty to say about Matt Castle, but he's an NFL quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it may not be good, but he is he is miles better than some of the guys that we've seen trotted out here mm-hmm. in recent years. Okay, good enough to get a sixty million dollar contract. Then they go out and they bring in Garoppolo who just got traded for a high second-round pick. Everybody thinks highly of him. Then their third-string quarterback was Jacoby Brissett, who in my quarterback rankings this week is 14th, okay? Which I don't know what that says more about Brissett or the NFL, but <laughs> Brissett is a serviceable NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then 
They once they moved Garoppolo, like, oh geez, who's behind Brady? They went out and signed Brian Hoyer, who's immediately one of the top five or six backup quarterbacks in the NFL. The Patriots realized the value of a good backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if Brady got hurt for a month, I guarantee you that team would win three or four games. Wouldn't wouldn't even would not even phase them. Where meanwhile, if they had Brett Hundley coming in and playing quarterback, oh boy, okay, good night. It's just so blame GMs on that. Don't blame coaches. GMs are the ones who have these guys in there because they don't want to spend a dime on them and, and put any cap resources toward it. Matt Verderam, the the keeper of the head coaches, the protector of head coaches. I do agree though. The GMs. Let's try to be honest. Yeah, I mean, but it is a problem that you know the GMs and the head coaches. I guess you know. Story for another day, but yeah, the, the the problem with the back of quarterbacks is something that isn't a McCarthy thing; it's a league wide thing. But hey, what can you do? It's, it's the way it goes, I, you know. It's just right now the NFL, I, you know, the, the cap hamstrings teams, and they don't want to spend money on guys who they don't think are going to play. But that position is so unbelievably important. If you don't have a backup quarterback there, like you go home. Mm-hmm. Okay, like that's what happens, and I. I just don't understand these teams that spend no money on it and have some sixth-round picks sitting there. That's ah, all right. We'll see how it plays out. If somebody gets hurt, the hell with it. Like, yeah, hell with it. Season's over. Well, like, look at Minnesota. You've got Case Keenum, who was terrible in, with Los Angeles, St. Louis, whatever, and now all of a sudden he's leading one of the best offenses in football. And he's not the sole reason, but, you know, he did throw some pretty good passes against the Rams on Sunday. And that right there, you look at the Vikings. You mentioned the Patriots, the Vikings to a lesser degree. Case Keenum. Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford. They've had a lot of problems, and you take a, a, a bad system, you put that, like you said, in Houston or Tampa Bay or somewhere, and you have to cycle through quarterbacks, it ends with a 4-12 and season. It doesn't end with the number two seed in the NFC. I mean, you got, you got to have somebody. got to have somebody behind. I mean, I, I'm always shocked Seattle's never backed up Russell Wilson with anybody decent. God, that yeah. guy gets hit more than anybody. Like you're, they're one hit away. For the, they, they wouldn't win a game the rest of the year if Russell Wilson got hurt. So... Just keep that in mind. Um, but now, look, let's, let's transition into the games. Uh, Thanksgiving Day slate. You got three games, well, two games and one funeral. Um, <laughs> first game is the best game. Minnesota is at Detroit. Detroit is, fa- excuse me, Detroit is laying two points. Minnesota is favored by a deuce. Um, this game is very strange to me. Detroit beat Minnesota in Minnesota earlier in the year in a, in a low-scoring contest. So unfortunately, it was a game Dalvin Cook got injured in. Um, the Lions are coming off of a pair of very unimpressive wins against the Browns and the Bears, but they won them. Um, and so they're 6-4. and four. Minnesota, of course, 8-2. and two. Uh, This is a tough game for me to pick. It's a short week. Detroit is used to playing this game. They're at home. Um, I am actually going to take the Lions in this game. I, I like the Vikings a lot. I, I, I opened the show saying it. I just think it's something, you know, you're not going to win every game. Detroit is, is typically a, a better team at home. Uh, Stafford, we know what he can do. He's always been... It's sneaky good against the Vikings. They won both games against them last year as well. So I will take the Lions in a game that is more important for Detroit than it is for Minnesota. Yeah, the Lions, they're playing with their backs against the wall. And we said it a couple of weeks ago when they were playing the Packers. They're playing for their season week by week. And the Vikings can't win them all. This is a weird short week. The Lions weirdly have their number for some reason. I don't think that that's an indictment of the Vikings. I just think that the Lions, they're going to want this a lot more. Uh, and this is, I think what we're going to see come out of this week is the Vikings are going to lose and people might overreact about the storyline involving Bridgewater and Case Keenum. They're like, oh, what, what do we do with the quarterback situation? Because Zimmer loves Bridgewater. 
I mean, they're going to keep him. He's going to be the quarterback of the future. So that whole narrative, I, I just hope that that doesn't come out of this Thanksgiving Day game than defining the Vikings' last half of this season, where that's the conversation everybody's having because the team is so much more. Um, but I do agree with you. I think that the Lions go out and get this one just because they need it so much more. Second game on Thanksgiving, the Chargers are at the Cowboys, and this game is a pick em, which goes to show you how far Dallas has fallen in a few weeks. Injuries do that to you. Uh, the Chargers, they've been, as frankly per their usual, they've been wildly inconsistent. They blew the Bills out. Now, I don't know how much credit you want to give to the Chargers and how much goes to the Bills. Uh, and their complete ineptitude. That's a game where you look at the score and say, wow, the Chargers won by 30 points, 54 to 24. Yeah, well, listen, don't want to take it away from the Chargers. A, a, a win like that is a win, okay? But they gave up 114 yards and a touchdown to LaShawn McCoy on 13 carries. Um Really, the story of the game was Buffalo turned the ball over six times in the game. The Chargers didn't turn it over. Incredibly, the Bills and the Chargers were separated by 30 yards in total offense, which I don't even know if it's possible, but it is. Uh, so that being said, look, I think the Chargers are a talented team. Um, and I think, it, look, if Tyron Smith doesn't play, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa might have 12 sacks between them. I still like Dallas in this game. I don't. Everybody always falls into this trap, the Chargers, and then the Chargers go and lay some ridiculous egg. I, I don't. I don't believe in the Chargers, who scored four defensive touchdowns against the Bills. Four. I, I, I think the Chargers are talented, but I, I think the Cowboys win this game. They're better than they're at home. Cowboys win this game because Jason Garrett is now officially coaching for his job. Jerry Jones, yeah, he is. Jerry Jones is the saltiest human being in the world. He's got Jerry's all, got a lot of problems right now. He's got a lot of problems right now, and if, if Jason Garrett becomes one of those problems, he's going to be like a flea that he flicks off his shoulder. He's like, look, I'm the Cowboys. I'm Jerry Jones. I'm going to open up the checkbook for anybody. J- uh, Jason Garrett's. He's. I don't know what he's doing, but <laughs> whatever he's doing, it's not working. So, but I'm going to pick the Cowboys just because. Like you said, people, they fall into this trap with the Chargers so many different times. The Cowboys can't block anybody, so I think it's going to be a really messy game. But I think that the Cowboys are going to figure out a way to win it. Or, alternately, the Chargers are going to figure out a way to lose it. Because so far this season, that's been some kind of weird Rain Man skill of theirs. So yeah, I just, look, everybody's going to fall in love with, with, I always want to call them San Diego, with LA, with the Chargers. And you know what? I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. They lose four in a row to start the year. Then they beat the Giants, the Raiders, and the Broncos. And you're like, okay, here they come. Then they lose to New England. Then they lose a ridiculous game in Jacksonville. And then they beat the Bills. Now, I'll say this for the Chargers. If they win this game, it's interesting. Because they, they would get to five and six. Then they have the Browns at home. Ooh. They get the Redskins at home. There's a very good chance they'd be seven and six. And then they're at Arrowhead. Now, it depends on your view of the Chiefs. If you think the Chiefs are going to snap out of it, then it's really not that interesting. If you think the Chiefs are complete not a free fall, uh, like this guy currently, <laughs> uh, that game might be for everything. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out here. But the Chargers are sneaky. You never, the Chargers, to me, are the most inconsistent team in the league. You never yeah. know. They could play the best game you've ever seen. And conversely, they could also give you a game where they completely fall apart. So that all being said, Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, 
You need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Uh, give me the Cowboys, who I think are the better team and, frankly, a team that is desperate beyond worth. Final game on Thanksgiving. This one I'll just make quick. The Giants are 7.5 point on the dogs against the Redskins. Uh, the Giants just beat the Chiefs in the ugliest football game I've ever witnessed, and that's not hyperbole. And I've seen the Chiefs go 2-14, okay? That game was so bad on both sides of the ball for both teams. Really, the NFL should have declared that game over at the end of the fourth quarter and just handed them both and lost. That game, neither team could throw the ball. Neither team could run it. Nobody could catch. There was actually two interceptions in that game thrown that were not thrown by quarterbacks. It was one of the most hideous affairs ever witnessed Thank God MetLife was half empty. Uh, I will take the Redskins. I think the Redskins are going to blow the doors off the Giants, who I think probably just got their last one of the year. I am taking Washington, and that is all that I have to say about this game. Good. Now let's move to another dumpster fire. Kansas City's hosting (laughs) Buffalo on Sunday. uh, Start our 1 o'clock slate. Look, there's no question who's more talented. Okay, the Chiefs are favored by 9.5 in this game, which lets you know that Vegas is still a big believer in Kansas City. This game for me, it's, it's, it's now or never for Kansas City. Look, you come out of the bye. Everybody thought they were going to get right and pace the Giants, myself included. And the Chiefs go out and lay a ridiculous egg. They, they're lucky they even got to overtime. Okay? The Chiefs outgained the Giants. The Chiefs won time of possession. They had more first downs. And the Chiefs lost that game because they took nine penalties for 87 yards and turned the ball over three times. That was an appalling show. And by the way, after this game against the Bills, the Chiefs go back to MetLife Stadium for the Jets. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But... I'm taking the Bills in this game. I really, I, I, the Chiefs are so bad over the last five games. I think Tyrod Taylor, if he plays, which by the way, as we're doing this podcast, the Bills are having a presser, and they're saying that there's a really good chance that Nathan Peterman is going to start on, on Sunday, which if that happens, then give me the Chiefs. Okay, if Nathan Peterman starts, give me Kansas City, and I wouldn't even take them to cover because I really just don't think Nathan Peterman should be in the NFL. If Tyrod Taylor starts in this game, the Bills are winning this game. He, he will combine for 400 yards of offense the way Kansas City's playing. So uh, I'm going to take the Bills because I genuinely, until they win another game, I don't know that Kansas City is not completely and utterly in the tank. I'm going to take the Chiefs just because I don't... I think that if they do lose this game, all of a sudden this is this nightmare scenario which we've been joking about, which now is all of a sudden reality, in which the Chiefs are falling off of this cliff in, I don't know, maybe historic proportions that I've never seen before. But the Bills, I do see this game as Tyrod Taylor, assuming he starts, coming out and kind of showing Sean McDermott up a little bit because that that relationship's done. It's been soured. They don't want him. They don't know who their quarterback is going to be. It's not Taylor. It's definitely not Peterman. They're going to have to go out and draft a guy. Maybe they assign Cousins. I don't know what they do. But to me, the Chiefs, they can't lose this game. And you said oh, it. Be- believe me, they can. You, I know. You said it better than I ever could, and I, I have PTSD from having watching you watch the game. So it was an experience. But I'm, I'm going to take the Chiefs against probably my better judgment. But that's just because I think that the Bills are so cooked at this point. You said it on the Facebook Live on Sunday night. There, I, they might be in the mindset of not tanking, but we overperformed expectation. We outperformed the expectations, and at this point, we're just going to kind of regress back maybe improve the draft stock a little bit. We're playing for the future. This was never supposed to be a winning season. And now we're going to just kind of shuffle through things and see where it lies for the future. I, I just, honest to God, 
I really can't see the Chiefs winning a game. I, they're, they're so pathetic on both sides of the ball. Uh, for anyone who doesn't see them on a week-to-week basis, me and my God, if you have access to Game Pass, go watch it. It is just it is stunning to see how bad they are compared to what they were six weeks ago. I mean, they, they can't even play marginally decent football. So it will be the first game in years that I've had access to. I will not watch the game live. I just have no interest. I'll, I'll, I will rewatch it afterwards because you know, I take pride in knowing what's going on with all the teams, but I will not watch that game live. That, they are a disgrace of a football team right now. And if, if they win that game, 7-4, and four, you know, we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, but to me, this is, this is like Custer's last stand for Kansas City. This, you either win this game and, frankly, win it convincingly, or you, you go bye-bye. Now, like, it, there's no more talk about the Chiefs until, you know, Patrick Mahomes is under center. Which, by the way, if Alex Smith is bad in this game, he better be come week 13. Um, so, another game moving on, partially staying in the AFC East. The Jets are hosting the Panthers, who we talked a lot about. The Panthers are favored by four and a half on the road, coming off, actually both teams coming off a bye this week. Um, I like the Panthers in the game. I think the Jets, they played really tough, but I think the bloom is off the rose here a little bit. Uh, the Jets just aren't good enough. The Panthers know they have to keep winning in this very hyper-competitive NFC. So I think the Panthers go on the road and take care of business. Uh, I never totally trust Newton just because he's got a propensity to miss easy passes and throw picks. But with Greg Olson coming back and everything else, I think the Panthers' morale is pretty good. The team's better than the Jets for sure. So give me Carolina to improve Dayton 3. I've got Carolina in this one too. And with the Jets, uh, I still give all the credit in the world to Todd Bowles for doing what he did with this team. That was supposed to be terrible. Uh, making them look even a little bit like a football team was a, a miracle. Uh, but we're, in, we're now to the point of the season where these teams like the Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, uh, some of the teams in the NFC, we're, they're regressing back to where we thought they were going to be from the start. You know, you look at the AFC East standings. Five weeks ago, we were like, oh, my God, the Bills are tied for first place with the Patriots. What's going on there? And now the Patriots are 8-2, and two, everybody else is 5-5, five and five, and it's, it's a disaster. So I'm going to take Carolina. I agree with you. I kind of we addressed it when we were talking about the Panthers and the Saints. They know that they need to win these games now. And they've got the Jets. They've got the Saints next week. Then they've got the Vikings, Packers, Bucks, and Falcons. So this is, this is crunch time. Prove it, prove it or lose it time for Cam Newton and Ron Rivera. So, and I've got them winning this week. NFC matchup in Philadelphia this week. Philadelphia hosting Chicago. Biggest line, actually second biggest line of the week. The Eagles favored by 13 points at home. Uh, it's a big line. I actually would take the Bears to cover the line, but I think the Eagles are going to win the game. Uh, the Eagles just continue to roll on here. Very, very impressive. Carson Wentz really did not do a lot against Dallas. Didn't have to. Um, the defense took care of business. Held Dak Prescott and company more than in check. And so I think really when you look at it, uh, this is a team that, you know, we, we always going to talk about the Saints on this podcast and who's the best team. Well, you, you got to say, like, the Eagles, I mean, they're 9-1. and one. Uh, And, you know, they rushed for 215 yards against Dallas. Wentz was not impressive. 14-27, 168 yards, a couple of touchdowns, really nothing special. Didn't get sacked once. Uh, but, look, the, the, the Eagles – I can't imagine them losing this game to the Bears, who have played very hard. And their their defense is good. They can run the ball. Uh, but it's just it's a work in progress for the Bears, and I just don't see it coming to fruition this week. No, the Eagles are going to win this game, and this is going to be more of an audition for convincing people like you and me 
that they're a legitimate playoff contender because I still don't believe. I think that the Eagles this year could be like the Cowboys last year where they go into the playoffs with a lot of momentum. They're a hot favorite, and then they lay an egg in their first playoff game because you've got an inexperienced playoff quarterback, a team that's not a head coach, doesn't hasn't coached in the playoffs before as a head coach. You've got all of these different pieces that are variables that you don't think about until the playoffs put them under a microscope and blow them up. One positive that I do have to say about the Eagles, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it does this week, is the run game. That was a question that I had for them all season long. You have to have multiple ways to win in the playoffs. Jay Ajayi, in his two games with the Eagles so far, 77 yards and 91 yards. See, he's been more productive in two games with the Eagles than he has all year with the Dolphins. You've also got Blunt, and then you've got Clement, or Clement, or whatever Al Michaels was struggling to say his name last night. They've got three good running backs. So I want to see this all start keep coming together and see how Doug Peterson forms this team to be ready for the playoffs. And that starts in games like this against the Bears, where you think, yeah, they're going to tune them up. But the Bears have been, the Bears played the, the, the Falcons close. They beat the Steelers and the Panthers. Those were home games, granted. I just, I need another, I need more convincing from the Eagles. And I think this is a good opportunity. Well, I think they'll, I think they'll get to uh, 10 and 1. Give them all the credit. They've been terrific yeah. this year. Uh, two teams that have not been terrific. Cleveland at Cincinnati, oh, 1 o'clock. Uh, Cincinnati's favored by 7.5. I think it speaks volumes that they're only favored by 7.5 at home yeah. over the Browns. Look, we spent a lot of time in the Browns here throughout this podcast. I'm not even going to dignify them with a minute. Uh, they stink. They are really, truly just an awful football team to the point that I feel bad for their fans. And so don't, if you're a Browns fan, don't take this as me rooting against you. Uh, I want them to go on 16. Because I just want them, I want that organization to be so thoroughly embarrassed. Uh, it's it's just absurd. It really is. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, sixteen and thirty-two with two picks. He got sacked five times. He was their leading rusher with twenty-two yards. They're just an abomination. They're not even a football team. And the Bengals, if you want to call it safe in their season, like they're four and six, but they're in the AFC, so they're a game out of the playoffs. Uh, they get the five and six here. So all of a sudden the Bengals like kind of in it. I don't think really truly in it, but in it enough that at least it's interesting. Yeah, I'm taking the Bengals to win this one. And if you're the if you're a Browns fan, like I think Browns fans are rooting for 0 and 16. They did a couple of years ago, and the Browns screwed that up in true Cleveland fashion. But what's the future of this team, man? Like what is going on? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna fire Hugh Jackson. He's gonna have a redemption tour with Atlanta or some maybe Denver, a team that needs offensive power. If he's and- ever hired again as a head coach. They should do the nuclear closet, the honor. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't mean to cut you off. I pause. But like, at what point here? Like, my God, he's 1-25. in 25. Yeah. I don't care who he's coaching. Win a game. Yeah. Look competent. It is absurd. No, no, yeah. I'm talking about, like, a coordinator job. Like, he's, oh, I, I, he's I know. Not, I know. No, but I agree with you. I'm glad you pointed that out because the, the head coaching choices for the Browns, story, it's like, what do they do? Like, I, I'm sitting, we're sitting here, and I'm like, yeah, they're going to fire Jackson, and they're going to find another guy. Who? Who are they going to find? There's no slam dunk head coaching candidate out there that you're like, yeah, A, even if there was, why the heck would he want to go to Cleveland? Right, you're going anywhere else first. Like, there's not, it's not like they have a franchise quarterback. It's not like they have a history of picking good players with high draft picks. It's such a messy situation, and I don't know. I mean, you, we talked about you can't blame the head coach. You've got to blame the GM. I think to put the exclamation point on that, you've got to blame ownership. Jimmy Haslam has no idea yep. what the hell he's doing in Cleveland, and fans have to pay for that. They have to watch that. They have to live in the same city with that stink. I don't know what's going to happen to the Browns, and that's the most scary part to me because they could do anything. They could go out. They could get, you know, Bill Belichick could come to Cleveland, and I'm sure it would end He did terribly. go to Cleveland. <laughs> and I'm sure it would end Man couldn't horribly. do anything. 
Oh. I, listen, listen. I, you know what? It's it's a shame. Okay, they're the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to Cleveland, and that's a city that had a river catch on fire. Okay, so I, I feel bad for the fans. They don't deserve it. It's ridiculous. And you look at their schedule, and then you know I, I said we wouldn't talk about it, but here we are. Uh, who are they beating going forward? They're at the Bengals, at the Chargers. They host the Packers. I mean, maybe with Hundley, maybe like they get they, they host the Ravens. I don't. I mean, and then they're at the Bears, at the Steelers. Like, I, there, there's no way I'm picking that team to win a road game. Mm-hmm. I, maybe one of those two home games they find a way. The Ravens are going to be fighting for the playoff lives, though. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to win a game. And I'm usually always somebody who says, "Ah, it's so hard to go on 16. Like, you're going to win a game." I, they they five more turnovers against Jacksonville. Like Blake Bortles was out here throwing for 154 yards, and Jacksonville ran for 3.2 yards of carry, and Cleveland can't win the game at home. They can't even cover. Which, by the way, and we're going to get into them. Actually, let's just get into them right now. Okay, Jacksonville. Uh, normally, we do this in, in order of the way the game's going to be played. But Jacksonville's on the road against Arizona. They're favored by four and a half. I know everybody's all about Jacksonville. I do not buy the Jaguars for two seconds. Look, they have a really good defense. Okay, and I love Jalen Ramsey's game. Clayus Campbell's been great. Since they got Marcel Darius, they've been much better against the run. Like, their defense, I buy 110%. But there is nobody who's convincing me that that team is going into the playoffs and winning with Blake Bortles. I'm sorry. I mean, 154 yards against Cleveland on 17 of 30. Like, in what world is that going to beat anybody? And by the way, as good as Fournette's been, okay, there's been one trend that's starting to show. And if you look at his his game-by-game game numbers, okay, early in the year, you start the year off and say 100 yards on the ground the first game. Okay, after that, he has averaged very, very little in terms of yards per carry outside of a Pittsburgh game that he really did not do much in for most of the game. He had 27 carries for 90 yards, and then he ripped off a 90-yard touchdown running garbage yeah. time. He was good against the Rams. The last two weeks, 17 carries for 33 yards, 28 carries for 111. He's averaging about three yards an attempt. Uh, teams are going to just continually stack the box and not let him be a factor. So uh, that all said, I'm going to take the Cardinals to win that game. Oof. I, I don't like the Cardinals right now. I think they're done in a lot of ways. But I got to be honest and I got to be fair. I, 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 I don't trust Jacksonville on a week-to-week basis. Like they're barely beating some of the worst teams in football. I, I think Arizona on the road, I think Arizona is going to win the game. I'm going to go with Jacksonville just because somehow I've turned into the Duval County representative here. And I don't, I don't know how that happened. I don't know if I'm happy about it. But I'm, I'm all in on the Jaguars. But I do agree with you that Blake Bortles – is the future is the future for the Jaguars. It's not now. And Blake Bortles is not a part of that future. He's like that guy. Have you ever, you know, we all know that person where we've had to move a couch or even like a table across a room. And you go, hey man, can you help me with this? And the guy comes over and you guys lift the table. But you know that you're... Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. They're lifting more of the table than him, and he's just kind of there. Blake Portals is that guy who's not really lifting the table, but he's like, oh, I'm doing this. I'm a part of this. 
I think he legitimately thinks he is part of the success in Jacksonville. I think he's oblivious to the fact that he's a terrible quarterback and that he is the, he's the anchor weighing down the Jaguars' potential. And hopefully, my fear is that he will win a playoff game. And then it's like the Bill O'Brien situation in Houston. It's like, well, it's really difficult to part ways with somebody who's successful, even if they are Bill O'Brien and Blake Bortles. Um, but the defense, I think the, the, most of the, the stars are signed through 2019. So they got another year or two of this where they can really hammer down a good unit, and it's about finding that quarterback. I think that they're going to beat Arizona. I trust them a little bit more than you do just because I just don't trust the, the Cardinals that much. But if they do lose this game, I hope it's because of Blake Bortles, and I hope that, that conversation doesn't go away just because the Jaguars are the three seed. They've got seven wins, all this thing. Don't let that mask how bad Blake Bortles is because that's how you get trapped as a franchise, and all of a sudden you're stuck. I really, I really have an incredible fear that Tennessee is going to somehow win that division and Jacksonville is going to come to Arrowhead in the playoffs and that Blake Bortles is going to throw for like 38 yards and somehow win the game. Oh. Um, yeah. Anyway, moving on from that nightmare, which I absolutely think is in play. Um, Miami's at New England. This is the biggest spread of the year uh, to date that I can remember. 17 points. Holy cow. And uh, I'm taking New England to cover. Uh Anyone who's watched Miami, that's basically a funeral procession at this point. Uh, Jay Cutler is atrocious. He got benched. I don't know if they're going to go with Matt Moore this week. My guess would be they probably are. Uh, Adam Gase looked so promising a year ago. How things change in the NFL. Uh, Give me New England. I got nothing else to say. I've got New England on this one. And... uh... To to me, they're they're fine-tuning the playoff machine. But that defense... We talk about Blake Bortles as a problem that people are kind of masking a little bit because the team is good. The Patriots are winning, and they're holding down teams to low point totals. And that has everybody going, oh, Matt Patricia's figured it out, blah, blah, blah. Look at the teams that they have held down, quote-unquote. You've got you know, Tampa Bay. You've got all these. You've got really Denver, the Jets. San Diego, the Jets. They've played... I think their last five wins came against five of the worst offenses. And all three of the AFC West teams that they've played, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders, I believe are ranked like 24th, 25th, 26th in total offense. So it's not like they're playing the 98 Vikings or something like that. Wait until they get to the playoffs and they have to play a team like Pittsburgh who thrives on winning ugly games. We're going to see the defense rear its ugly head. That being said, Miami falls squarely into the category of terrible offenses. So I think that New England wins again. I just hope that this, the winning against bad teams doesn't continue to mask serious problems on defense. Yeah, I agree. I, I am not a big believer that all of a sudden they fix this defense. Although, by the way, Derek Carr yesterday, 28-49 for 237, 4.8 yards in attempt. Nice game. Um, <laughs> okay, and that goes back to this whole, like, the idea that he was ever an MVP candidate is just mind-blowing. Derek Carr is a, is a decent quarterback, and at this point in his career, it's what he is. Uh, there's no line for this game, so Atlanta hasn't played yet. But Tampa Bay, your Bucks at Atlanta, one o'clock on Sunday. And as always, I defer to you. Uh, Fitz Magic has apparently worked out really well to the point where we have Fitzy. We have uh, internet personalities on Twitter saying that Jameis Winston is washed up, and you know I'm not going to get into the whole everything that happened this week with Jameis Winston because I'm so incredibly disappointed in all of it. Um, I think that the Bucks come out and they play a decent game, but they're, they're not going to win. They're not going to beat Atlanta. Atlanta's playing. You talk about New Orleans and Carolina being in a dead heat for that NFC South first-place division. Uh, the Falcons are kind of an afterthought here. 
And they're still a decent team. Like, I think that they're going to go in and they're going to beat Seattle on Monday night because that Seattle defense is bleeding players. They're they're so depleted. I don't think that Seattle finds a way to win that game. And I think that is a win for Atlanta that then gives them some confidence to go into a matchup against Tampa Bay, which is very winnable. And that's two big wins in a row for them. And they're chasing Carolina and they're chasing New Orleans, who are really all one step away from falling down to maybe an unrecoverable spot here in the NFC playoff picture. I still like Atlanta. I don't really believe in their offense that much, but I think that they're better than Tampa Bay. And, you know, I said it when we were talking about the Patriots just now. The Dolphins are a bad team, and the Bucs almost lost to them. So, you know, I'm, taking, I'm, I'm picking the Bucs just because I need that in my life, but I'm, I'm, I'm not confident that. I wouldn't blame anybody for picking the Falcons. In fact, I would advocate for it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you laid it all out there perfectly. Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons. I think it'll be a tight game. I think the Buccaneers will have a shot to win the second half, but Atlanta's at home, and Atlanta needs to keep winning, so give me Atlanta. Um, last of the 1 o'clock games, Tennessee at Indianapolis. Tennessee is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Tennessee's coming off a long respite here, obviously having played on Thursday night. Well, <laughs> having uh, had a played. game on yeah. Thursday night. <laughs> uh, whether or not they played in it was a whole other story. Indianapolis, meanwhile, had a bye week. Uh, they are not good. It's been like 12 bye weeks for them. Yeah, the fans wish it was 12 bye weeks. Um, you know, I could really see the Colts winning this game. Like, the Titans, I'm picking the Titans because I just think they they have to bounce back and they have to win this game. And they, they're, as you said earlier, you know, about uh, a different team, their backs are really against the wall. So I, I think Tennessee wins, but I'll tell you, this is the kind of game. I could see this game being 24-23, and the Colts are de- driving to try to win the game, and then they have some asinine fumble or something at midfield. But I'll take the Titans, but I don't think they're going to cover, and I would not be shocked at all if Indianapolis puts a serious dagger in Tennessee's AFC South champion hopes. I'm taking the Titans. I'm not happy about it. Uh, I think that every bad team is capable of one good game. We saw that with the Bears actually a couple of different times, and I think the Colts are nearing that point. We saw them play the Steelers really well the week before. I attribute that more to the Steelers having a down week than anything else. But I think that every bad team, they're still all, all, they're all professionals, okay? The Giants last week, they're all professionals. They had a good game against the, the Chiefs. Say what you will about Kansas City's effort level. They showed up, and I think that the Colts, they show up against the Titans. It's a divisional game. Pagano's done. He's gone. These guys, they're about to go into off-season mode. It's about to be the holidays. They're about to check out. Uh, this is like the last time that they're going to have a chance to have that one good game, and it will come against a division rival. They know it's a spoiler game. They know they can throw a big monkey wrench into the whole Titans thing and drag them down to the depths with them. I'm taking Tennessee, but I agree with you. I do think this is going to be – we may be watching this game on Sunday, and it's going to be about, you know, one, 245. The game's in the fourth quarter, and people are like, ooh, upset alert. Tennessee, watch out. So um, I'm taking Tennessee, but it's going to be a, a, a better game than people maybe think it will be. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to be very interesting from a morbid standpoint. Uh, I don't think either one of these teams is going to put on a great show. And by the way, you know, I'm going to say this real quick because I don't want to get too deep into this, but Marcus Mariota, everybody talked before the season started about how he was going to make this jump, how he's going to be this big-time quarterback. Uh, at some point here, can we see it? Because Marcus Mariota stunk this year. And I, every time I say it on Twitter, I get a bunch of Titan fans who reply to me, you're just watching the, you're just following the stats. You're not watching the game. No, I, I watch, I've watched 
I can honestly say at least three quarters of Tennessee's games. And you know what I see? I see a guy who misses throws he shouldn't. I see a guy who stands in the pocket and, granted, has some courage but takes too many sacks. But when I look at his stats, I also see a guy who's regressing. Okay, He has completed between 62.6 and 61.2% of his passes every year that he's been in the NFL. He's never eclipsed 3,500 yards. Right now he's sitting on just under 2,100, so I don't think he's eclipsing it this year. His yards per attempt is the lowest it's ever been, 7.43. He has eight touchdowns and 10 picks. Last year, he had 26 touchdowns and nine picks. So, And his QBR, if you care, if you care about that, is right in the mid-50s every single year. He is a very average quarterback. If you took those numbers and assigned them to Andy Dalton, people would be screaming their heads off to have him replaced. Just saying. Well, we also saw Marcus Mariota from a different angle on Thursday night with that Madden cam type of thing, which to me, people, there were some people that were saying, oh yeah, it showed how awesome he was. You know, he's moving around. It's like, yeah, it also showed us how awful his vision is. Like there was some of those interceptions from that different angle. It was, it was eye-opening. It was like, how could he make that throw? Now, granted, it was a new angle and some of those throws, it also makes you appreciate how they sneak those passes in there sometimes, which made me a little sympathetic towards Jameis Winston to which I was like, that's what he sees. He thinks he can be the guy that fits that in there. But Marcus Mariota, you know, you talk about his stats regressing. What I see from multiple angles is a guy that's not necessarily, he doesn't necessarily know what he's doing right now, which concerns me because I'm rooting for Mariota. He's a good guy, and I want to see another franchise quarterback come up in football. He's not doing it right now. And some of that footage on Thursday night, I mean, Titans fans should watch it with the lights on because it is a horror show. So They should watch it. Um all right, so we move forward here. Four o'clock games. Uh, Seattle at San Francisco. Seattle's favored by a touchdown, and that line will probably move here. They obviously have not played yet on Monday night. Um, Seattle's missing Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman for the year. To me, that's the end of their season in terms of having Super Bowl mm-hmm. hopes. Um, that said, I think they're going to beat the 49ers. Um, the 49ers almost beat them in Seattle earlier this year, but I, I, I don't think the 49ers are going to win that game. So give me Seattle, although I think Seattle is a ship with too many holes to plug right now. Yeah, the ship in Seattle is going down. Uh, they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be a quicker out than people maybe thought. I wouldn't sleep on San Francisco in this game, though. I don't think that they're better than Seattle. I just think that the combination of maybe coming off that first win with Shanahan and just historically how bad Seattle plays against NFC West opponents. Even, I mean, they let Jeff Fisher beat them a couple different times. That's all you need to know about. They did. Yeah, that's all you need to know about how Seattle plays the NFC West. I think this is the better team, but this could be kind of like that Colts game, a tricky game where it gets down. San Francisco's played a lot of close games this year. You know, they only have one win, but they have more spiritual wins, I think. This might be another one of those where it comes down to the wire. Maybe it goes to overtime. And I think Seattle wins, but I think no matter how they play San Francisco, it'll be close, and people will be thinking more like you're thinking, where it's like, nah, they're done. This defense does not do it for me. Another game out on the West Coast late. Denver at Oakland. Oakland favored by five points. Denver's lost six in a row. Lost again at home to Cincinnati. Uh, They're reeling. They fired, of course, we talked about it earlier, but they fired Mike McCoy, their offensive coordinator. uh, Promoted Bill Musgrave, who was the offensive coordinator last year in Oakland. So that'll be a little bit of uh, return back home for Musgrave. I, I don't know what to make of this game. I'm going to take Oakland just because I think Denver is so unbelievably in the tank. And by the way, we talked about it at the top here. This goes to show up how the AFC West is. 
Kansas City can't beat the Giants, and I'm picking the Bills to beat them, and I still think the Chiefs are by far the best team in this division. So um, this is a matchup of two teams I have no belief in, but I think the Raiders win at home and even the season series with Denver, just because I don't think Denver can score 10 points against anybody, including Oakland. The Giants, by the way, owners of the AFC West, it seems. They beat the Broncos. They've beaten the Rolling Chiefs. Rolling right along. Almost beat the Chargers. I mean, they, oh, they'd probably man. be 14-2 in the AFC West. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm taking Oakland in this one just because I don't like their defense at all. They have no secondary. And they don't have any, more, they don't have any interceptions on the year. Like, it's, it's incredible. I, when was the last time that that's happened? It's absolutely incredible. But... Thank God they're playing Brock Osweiler, who will probably turn into Paxton Lynch at halftime. There's no quarterback in Denver. It's going to be a mess. This is going to be an ugly, ugly, awful game. Uh, go find something else to do with your Sunday afternoon. Don't watch this, even if you're a Broncos and Raiders fan. Save yourself. Especially if you're one of those fans. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm obviously, you know, I'm the Grants. I, I, think, I think Oakland wins. Um, last of the 4 o'clock games, New Orleans at the Rams. Very good game. Very Rams good. favored by two and a half. Uh, I don't. You know what? I think at some point, listen. The Saints have been terrific, and we talk. I, I think they're the best team in the league right now. I'm taking the Rams in this game, though, because the Rams in a very heated race in the division. And look, the Saints aren't going to win every game the rest of the year. They're eight and two. At some point, you know, just kind of like I said with Minnesota earlier, you're not going to win every game, no matter how good you are. And so, you know, the Rams in their own building here. It's a big game. I think the Rams find a way to get the job done. Uh, and, and that's a little bit of a leap of faith because the Saints have been playing better than the Rams, uh, you know, especially obviously this past week. But just overall, I think the Saints have been playing better than anybody. But I'm going to take the Rams. I think they find a way to get the job done at home in what is really going to be almost a playoff environment. I think it maybe almost might be beneficial for the Saints to lose this game because they adjusted so well after starting the year off so bad. Um, they need a loss here to maybe find out some more flaws in this team because it's not perfect they've been winning because they've been able to adjust but at some point the adjustments run out and teams will figure you out i think that they will lose i think that the rams are going to win this game for reasons that you said very well um i think that the saints though by losing this game don't turn it into a thing where up the winning streaks over and they're done turn it into they did this before and they went on an eight game winning streak so losing Sean Payton being able to find all of the problems of why they lost to a, a potential playoff matchup. We could see this in the wild card weekend, depending on how the, the wild card shakes out in the NFC West and the South. Uh, the Saints are the best team in the NFC right now, in my opinion, as far as their danger threat level, because they can find a way to beat you and they can find a way to adjust. So I'm taking the Rams in this one. And the Saints, I don't, this is a win-win for them. Either they... Jamie's Log, Progressive, The Harrington's Backyard, Day 4, 2.18 a.m. I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp, but I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Win and they get nine in a row, or they lose, and all of a sudden they get another chance to adjust right before the playoffs. It's going to be, to me, the best game of the weekend. Oh, yeah. Uh, and now for a game that is not going to be the best game of the weekend. The Packers at the Steelers. Steelers favored by 13 and a half on Sunday night. Uh, succinctly, I think Pittsburgh's the best team in the AFC. I think they are going to absolutely beat the daylights out of the Packers. Yeah, that's 
Well said. <laughs> okay. And Monday, uh, in a game that will set football back 50 years offensively, it is Houston. It is Baltimore. Uh, and it is the Ravens favored by a touchdown. Give me the Ravens. We saw what the Ravens did to Miami when they came in there on a primetime game. The Ravens do have a good defense. Houston does not. Uh, Houston right now is a bottom six or seven team in the league without Deshaun Watson and without J.J. Watt and Whitney Mercer. They've just been ravaged. The Ravens have been ravaged as well by injuries. And Joe Flacco is terrible. But I think the Ravens are going to win this game. Houston's playing for nothing. The Ravens are trying to get in the playoffs. So give me Baltimore in what is going to be a very ugly offensive game. Yeah, I'm taking Baltimore to win this one too just because I don't believe in Houston at all. They're terrible. They're not playing for anything like you said. And I'm steadfast in that. They should just flame out the rest of this season. Get rid of Bill O'Brien. Figure something out for the future of that team, for the better good of the future of the team. And, you know, pick it up next season when Watson's back. Um, and the Ravens, they're playing for a playoff spot right now. I think they are the sixth seed in the AFC right now, the yep. way things have shaken out. Thanks to the Bills and Nathan Peterman and all that disaster. So they're, they, they have, they smell the blood in the water. They're ready to hang on to that, that sixth seed. And that's just going to go further this week against Houston. So I'll leave everybody with this thought. Bill O'Brien gets fired. Blake Bortles gets cut. They reunite in Cleveland. Enjoy week 12, everybody. <laughs> for Josh Allen, Matt Verderam, thank you for listening to another episode of Stack the Box. Really appreciate it. Please subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating. Uh, leave a comment. Unless you think it sucks, then don't. Don't be that person. Uh, but thank you very much for your support. It's been great. We really appreciate it. We yeah. love doing the show every week. So for Josh Hill, I am Matt Verderam. Check us out on Fansided every day of the week, and we will talk to you next Monday. Progressive's Home Court Explorer lets you easily compare our direct rates with multiple companies. Now that we've covered something you could do, it's time for sports stuff you definitely could not do. If you were head coach, you would not have gone for it on fourth down. Your confidence in your play calling ability might be a little overblown, considering you're barely confident in which restaurant to order takeout from, let alone choosing a play in front of 70,000 screaming fans. But you definitely can use Progressive's Home Court Explorer to easily compare rates. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations.